Welcome in to We The Fans. Now, before we get going today, I'm going to make a couple of adjustments right here on the fly because I have noticed once we go back, I'm a little loud. So I'm going to I'm going to pop the mic down just a little bit so that I'm not screaming in your ear as you go about your Monday. So welcome in. Now, if you are watching on Facebook, we have got your comments popping up over there in the corner. You can get those in as we get going here on We The Fans on this Monday afternoon. Now, before we get started, I do have to ask because I do have some questions. Uh, my main question is going to be, um, what is the worst football or stadium to that you have ever visited? And I, I'm asking this for a reason, because I have a an opportunity to go to Mississippi State this weekend, and I was just told that it is a god-awful city to go to. So I'm just curious as to what the worst uh, stadium and city is that you've ever been to. Our girl Gat is on. She says, sorry, I was late to the stream. Actually, the stream just started. So uh, you're not really late to anything. She says that she's addicted to Chick-fil-A now. You are about 10 years late to that party because uh, in the South, which I know Mizzou just kind of got into the SEC uh, less than a decade ago. And <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Chick-fil-A is uh, is amazing. Now, if you live in the state of Alabama, it was um, there's another place called Tenders that is a very small chain restaurant throughout the uh, North Alabama area. Um, I am addicted to it. To to describe my addiction, look through right there if you can really see it. Boom, right there. I've got the app. For tenders. That's how addicted I am. You can also see the apps that I use. Uh, we got Hulu right there. You have Walmart. There's the Chick fil A app for our girl Gat. And uh, yes, there's that Bet MGM because I live about 100 yards away from a state where I can actually go and bet. And I do drive right up to the gas station inside the Tennessee line to make my bets. So that's why I have that app. Now, she says, you were inspired for this question by my Oakland photo. I know this is going to hurt your ego. I have no clue what your Oakland photo was and, and that I have. Have I even seen it uh, uh, today? No. And for those that are just hopping in, I have an opportunity to go to Mississippi State this weekend for Mississippi State and Auburn. And it's the last regular season game for both teams. And I'm kind of debating because I just got told that Starkville, Mississippi is a hellhole. And so I'm kind of curious about what the worst city is uh, that you went to. Now, there's a lot of things that have already happened so far since Monday has gotten going. Kentucky has made two changes on uh, their coaching staff. Those are done, but it's Kentucky football, so nobody cares. South Carolina has hired Frank Beamer's son to be his uh, South Carolina's brand new head coach. 
That is going on as we speak. You also have the fact that Tennessee has announced just a few seconds ago that they are going to stick with their quarterbacks that they played uh, this weekend. Now, here's the audio from Jeremy Pruitt just a few seconds ago when he was asked about if he was going to move away from Jared Garantano and the plans that Tennessee has going into this weekend because they finally get that matchup with Tennessee. Here is where Jeremy Pruitt had to say. Well, we're going to we're going to go with Brian and JT uh, and um, and kind of probably say stay with the same schedule as we did this past week. Meaning Brian Hoyer and or Brian Mayer, Brian Mauer. God, Brian Hoyer. No, please, for the love of God, don't even use him. But and and JT Strout is who's is who he's talking about now this past weekend against Florida, which. In all reality, Tennessee didn't play that bad, but it was also Florida, and they got their tails kicked at times. So that's the reason why you are going to be seeing the players that you see. Now, as far as passing is is concerned, uh, Bailey, Harrison Bailey, see, I didn't say Homer that time. Harrison Bailey passed for 111 yards and a touchdown. JT Strout passed for 121 yards. He had a touchdown, uh, but... Harrison Bailey was sacked five times, which was the biggest thing for Tennessee. And there's a lot of teams this football season that has not had a good season with their offensive line. Look, I know that we're going to automatically want to go and say, look, every team that sucks is because their quarterback sucks. A lot of times this has to do with the offensive line. Tennessee, not saying that Garantano is a bad quarterback, but that offensive line has not been good either. Now, with that being said, the game of the weekend, okay, was not the one that everybody thinks we should be talking about. And I'm going to go ahead and preface that as we're getting this going on this Monday and getting you the opportunity to get in on the chat. The game of the weekend in the SEC was Missouri and Arkansas. That game was absolutely amazing and so much fun to watch. If you miss this game, there was a point when Arkansas was up. God, I want to say that it was like 20 or like 23 or 40 to 26. Like it was they had a solid lead at one point in time. And Missouri kept coming back. Look, I know here's the running backs you're going to hear about hear about for the remainder of the season. Okay, you're going to hear about Najee Harris. You're going to hear in parts about Tank Bigsby. Isaiah Spiller is going to be a name that you're going to hear about a lot. Hold on a second. There we go. Let's try that. Isaiah Spiller is going to be a name that you're going to hear about a lot. Larry Roundtree is a beast. And he was absolutely amazing on Saturday, okay? If you did not see him, go back, watch it, because he, I think he had like almost 200 yards just himself. 
He had like 185 yards rushing. He had three touchdowns. And and Basilak, look, Basilak got rookie or not rookie, freshman of the of the week honors by the SEC that just came out a couple of minutes ago. He got that for throwing for 380 yards. It was absolutely tremendous. Such a fun football game to watch. They had KJ Jefferson for Arkansas playing instead of Felipe Franks, and because Felipe Franks was out. And that is why you should go back, rewatch it, whether you have to go to the SEC network, maybe you DVR'd it on ESPN, or do like I do, and just go to YouTube, put Arkansas versus Missouri on in uh, in the search menu, and it'll bring it up. What's going on, Sippy? How is, how's it going, man? Hey, don't forget... And this is not just to Sippy. This is to everybody else. Don't forget to give us a like. Give us a share. Let everybody know, not just about We The Fans, but also all the other amazing shows that we have right here on KCPM. Because this network and what it is doing around not just the Missouri and Kansas area, obviously that's where the focus is going to be with it being the KCPM, meaning Kansas City, but with everything through the Southeast, the Spoken, Sippy, thank you, the Spoken, absolutely tremendous that they do every single week. You've also have your wrestling podcast that we're going to be doing every Tuesday night. You can watch that. Our girl Gat was on it last week. You can also, when it comes back at the beginning of February, we are going to to get River Region Wrestling going again. That will be getting going once again after the Super Bowl is over with. I can tell you right now, the things that we are already planning for River Region Wrestling is going to be absolutely tremendous. So make sure that you follow us right here on KCP and the Kansas City Podcast Networks, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, all of that. Follow every one of these shows because I'm telling you, you have got a group of about 20 to 25 people that are working together to do something that nobody else in the country is doing. And that is where this is going to be a little bit different. So make sure that, that you that you follow us. And if you're if you're a fan of, of this show, let her, go go and give somebody one of our other shows an opportunity as well because they're absolutely tremendous. So just a, just a little bit of that as we're getting going here on, on our Monday. Now, yes, you had Missouri Arkansas, which to me was such a fun football game. I listened to it after I was leaving Auburn, Texas A and M, because I was down there covering that game for the radio station I worked for here in North Alabama. And then when I got home, I rewatched Missouri and Arkansas because it was so much fun to see everything that took place down and over in, in Columbia. So make sure that you watch that. There's going to be some stuff just over the course of the last 24 hours that we're definitely going to be getting into as the day is going along. Now, also happening right now is the is the coaches' teleconferences. They're getting going, and we're getting those, and I'm getting this audio sent to me as we're talking. And the game that happened Saturday night – this was bad. And I'm talking about Alabama 
LSU. And it was a little bit different. It was... Well, here's what... What's well, I, I think it's always say. a concern when... In the circumstance that we all live in now, which I think we all should be concerned about, is you know when you can stay in your bubble, um, there's a, a little more sort of security, safety um, involved in that because you're around the same people. You can social distance. You can wear a mask. Uh, I think once you you know sort of go out, fly around on an airplane, go to a hotel. You're probably exposed to a little more, so that's always a little concerning to us. And uh, we certainly do everything that we can to educate the players on, you know, how to stay safe in those situations. So, uh, and we're going to try to continue to do that. But you know, we have to play games on the road, so uh, we have to be able to manage that situation the best we can. Okay, that was Coach Saban talking about going on the road in COVID. For those of you that do not know. Alabama went through a lot uh, over Saturday just getting ready for the football game. There were power outages at their hotels. Uh, I think they ate breakfast in the dark. Um, And obviously going through COVID protocol, nobody's ever going to feel sorry for Auburn. Like you're just not, okay? Like in all honesty, Alabama should have this kind of stuff just to make this even, okay? You play LSU – on the road in Death Valley with like what 7,000 fans in attendance I mean I know that they're doing 20% just like all the SEC is but there's only about 20% of the people there it's about ten to 15,000 people no okay this is not the same atmosphere but here's the thing there's only about 20% of this team that's still there anyway because of all the people that have opted out, graduated, or went to the NFL. Again, Justin Jefferson is about to be the rookie of the year for on the offensive side of the football for the NFL because how amazing of a season he is currently having. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you've seen how good he has been for the Chiefs. We'll get to the Chiefs game in just a second. But you have... All of those things that LSU is going up against to win. And, and look, would Alabama had beaten LSU if they'd been, been 90,000 people inside Tiger, Tiger Stadium on Saturday? 100%. They were not losing this football game. It was 100% their game to lose. And they went in and did exactly what they wanted to do. And that was try to get some sort of revenge after how they lost last week or last season, I should say. Now, this isn't the same LSU team, okay? There's, there's some players that were on this team, but you saw it during the game that I want to say it was about 18 new starters, 19 new starters, and it is going to be a, a season of rebuilding for Coach O because, honestly, I think a lot of his players have quit, and and I don't know why that is. I don't I don't think that this is a Coach O thing, but I think that in LSU they're actually focusing on uh, either the next year, whether it's the next year in the NFL, or if it's the next year uh, at, at LSU and their opportunities that they may have there uh, starting because this team isn't playing like a football team. When you lose Miles Brennan, 
and he's gone for the season. He's been out multiple times. They thought that he may come back, then he doesn't. TJ Finley actually played a really good first half. He really did. He just went up against three Heisman contenders. And yes, that is a legitimate statement. There may be two at the least. Mac Jones, Devontae Smith. Okay? Those two players are two of the best players in college football. I don't care what team you want to put them on. I don't want to care. I don't care what you want to say has, you know, is the reason why they're good or whatever. Devontae Smith, to me, should be in front of Mac Jones for the Heisman Trophy just because what he has dealt with through this season. Mac Jones, and this is why we talk so much about how great a great offensive line can help a player and a quarterback. Go back and watch how much pressure Mac Jones actually had while he was passing in the pocket. That man, I mean, it. it's not just because he plays for Alabama. I would love to see what his heart rate was through that football game on Saturday. He was never under pressure. He never even had to think about really running and scrambling around. Turn that around. Look at how TJ Finley was, how much he had to run around. And then, heck, even go into last night's Chiefs game, because we said we were going to talk a little bit about that today. Look at how much Patrick Mahomes had to run around last night against the Broncos. There is, if the offensive line is not good, you're going to have your quarterback doing what Mahomes had to do last night, what you've seen Bo Nix have to do, what you've had to see TJ Finley do, what you've seen the Basilak have to do. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks we can go through. And unfortunately, Harrison Bailey and Jared Garantano in Tennessee, those all fall into that as, into that as well. But you have these players, if they don't have this good offensive line, you're not going to win football games. Look, Kansas City, in all reality, with as good as Denver's defense played last night, if they don't have Mahomes, they're not winning that football game. Because, yes, Kelsey, 1,000 yards receiving. It's like his fifth time in a row. It's amazing. But... If he doesn't have Mahomes making those tremendous passes to him, he's not getting those receptions. Tyreek Hill, even the even the pass that was a catch, that wasn't a catch, that was incomplete, that was complete, but nobody knew it was incomplete or complete. That's only a pass that a that a player like Mahomes can make. So his offensive line did not play well last night. Denver got a lot of a pressure on Mahomes. You go back and look at how little pressure LSU made on Mac Jones Saturday night. There was none. Like absolutely none. And it was astounding to watch how much time he had in the pocket. That's why yes, he is a Heisman. He's a Heisman candidate and you should totally be talking about him for that award. But the other player, Devontae Smith, he was number two going into the season. 
And that was behind Jalen Waddle. Alabama loses Jalen Waddle. And now Devontae Smith leads the nation in yards, leads the nation in reception touchdowns, leads the nation in reception yards per catch. All of that. Those are Heisman winning numbers. And he probably won't get it. He he may get be he may be one of the top four. Him, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, and Maybe Trevor Lawrence, maybe, maybe Justin Fields, maybe, but nobody else has really done anything to to get them to stand above him. That is the reason why you have to look at his numbers and understand how tremendous this is. And as great as a lot of the teams in the SEC can be, there are certain, heck, Larry Roundtree deserves some sort of love, whether it's it's second team All SEC or second team All American or whatever it is. Larry Roundtree has had that type of season, but he's never going to get the love that he deserves because he plays at Missouri. What's sad, and people don't realize this, right now, Missouri is going to have a better record at the end of the season over some of the biggest names in the SEC because just looking at the potential, the potential of the games that we are going to see, they're obviously going to have a better record than Arkansas. They're going to have a better record than Tennessee. They're going to have a better record than Vanderbilt. They're probably going to have a better record than Ole Miss. They're going to have a better record than Mississippi State. They're going to have a better record than LSU. And now, look, you're already, what, six? And then if you add Missouri, you're seven. So you're halfway through the SEC, and you can tell, obviously, Missouri's not going to have a better record than Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M. Those are the three. They're most likely going to have a better record than Auburn. They're not going to have a better record than Georgia. It is arguable that Missouri is one of the top Four teams in the SEC, and nobody's ever going to pay attention to them outside the state of Missouri because they are Missouri. That team is very good. And so when you start talking about these national honors, yes, your Kyle Trasks are going to get it. And look, Kyle Trask, that win that they had against Tennessee yesterday or Saturday, they played very well. That was what you would expect a Tennessee team to do against a, or a Florida team to do against the Tennessee. Kyle Trask did make mistakes. He hit Kyle Pitts whenever he needed to. You had you had a lot of plays that your receivers made after the catch, and they were able to make sure that Tennessee didn't really drive down the field. And that defense actually played so well that we had Tennessee getting sacked so many times in that game. I think Florida ended up with like six or seven sacks just in that game. That's this is where ten, the this is where Florida's defense is starting to play better just 2 weeks outside the SEC championship if you didn't know with Florida with Alabama both winning those it's it's confirmed those two teams would be playing each other in Atlanta coming up on the 19th for the SEC championship and honestly that could be the first of two times they play each other These two teams are that good, and I do not know, outside of Clemson, if there is another team in college football that could beat either one of those teams. I still don't put Ohio State in that conversation, 
Because they can't even get into the Big Ten Championship just yet. And if Michigan has another outbreak this week, they're done. Unless the Big Ten wants to throw in some special rule to get to get Ohio State into the college football playoff so that they're eligible or they want to put in a special rule so they can get the Big Ten Championship, they're not going to make it. So I'm not even talking about them just yet in this thing. And Sippy says that Will Hall just made the, the formal introduction at uh, Southern Miss just a few minutes ago and that it has him fired up. Okay, so now with Will Hall going to Southern Miss and, and – I know that he's been Tulane's offensive coordinator. I know that Tulane has a history of of putting up good offensive stats underneath him. But Sippy, what do you you said that he has you fired up, and and, and that's totally understandable that you're that that you're that excited about it. But what has you fired up the most? Because Tulane right now is fourth in in the Atlantic or the AAC in in scoring. They are also second in the AAC in rushing and passing wise. They're around fifth or not fifth. They're, they're one of the worst teams in the AAC. So what is it about Will Hall that has you so excited about this team? I'm not questioning it because because a guy like Will Hall, who's an offensive coordinator at a group of five school, He's not so much on, on my radar right now, so I haven't been able to pay attention to him. No offense to Southern Miss and whoever's listening in the state of Mississippi or watching in the state of Mississippi. I just don't know that much about him, kind of like I do with a Shane Beamer. I, I know more about him just because his history. By the way, if you don't know, it was Shane Beamer that was given the plays against Wake Forest that time with Virginia Tech. You remember the nothing-nothing ball game that went into extra or overtime? And it was like a final was 6-3. to three, And we found out a few years later that Wake Forest's – I think it was like their, their play-by-play guy gave Shane Beamer the plays. You remember all that? Yeah, that was, that's Shane Beamer. He's been an offensive coordinator for Oklahoma – Obviously, he's also been the, – the other thing that he's done that he has done very well is he is or has been a special teams coordinator at Virginia Tech, which we know how important that is. He was also coaching the offense for South Carolina when they were making their run to the SEC championship and they lost to Auburn in 2010. He was responsible for Alshon Jeffrey. He was responsible for, um, is it Maurice? No, it's not Maurice Claret. Um, the running back that, that South Carolina had that his career ended in a horrific injury, but he was responsible for that. So he has a good resume of growing players and growing talent. And yes, him being the offensive coordinator for, for Oklahoma gives him a lot of, a lot of stuff that a lot of people would be apparent because he's coached tight ends at Oklahoma, as well as being the assistant athletic coach. So he's also been responsible for putting some tight ends into the NFL. He coached tight ends 
at Georgia as well, and he was a part of the special team. So that's why he gets talked about Rodrigo Blankenship and the reason why he's the reason or he's the one that coached Rodrigo Blankenship when he was in when he was there. Also, it was Marcus Lattimore. That's who it was at South Carolina. He was responsible for them. He's a tremendous recruiter, and that's the reason why he's getting talked about, and that's the reason why he's going to South Carolina. That's why I know about him. Is it time yet? Let me see. It may be time because I've been trying to hold off because this this will sometimes take over and I don't want it to, but it, it, it absolutely will because I know how many people that we have uh, in the Alabama area that is watching this as well. So when we get on Auburn, it just turns into a rabbit hole. Okay, so before we get into Auburn, if you do not know, Doug Peterson he may be starting Jalen Hurts on Sunday. May. I say may because apparently there is some talk going around uh, the NFL beat writers that it's not up to Doug Peterson if he is the one to make the decision to go with Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz. Apparently he has to go to his owner and he has to ask Jeffrey Loria if he can play Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz because it was his owner that finally gave him permission. Yes, I said that right. Permission to finally play Jalen Hurts this weekend. And we saw that they came back, them being the Eagles. They came back. Jalen Hurts looked really good in the pocket. He was making some really good timing route passes with his wide receivers. And so there's a potential that Jalen may get this start, but it's not going to be up to Doug Peterson. This is totally on their owner and Jeffrey Loria making that decision for Doug Peterson. So that's a little bit of a heads up for you if you are paying attention to what is going on in the NFL with some of these comments that are coming out of new not of of Philadelphia. Henry Ruggs, by the way, tremendous catch by you against the Jets. I know that one play is what got Greg Williams fired just a few minutes ago from the Jets. But Carr still had to make the pass. Ruggs still had to make the catch and it looked absolutely beautiful what a great play by them and since i do have a lot of kansas city people on honey badger getting that pick in the beginning of the game was so much fun i absolutely love it he should have had a second interception but he wasn't able to get with it now here we go this is the moment that a lot of 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 auburn fans that are currently watching online on Facebook as well as Twitter. I know that we got a lot of followers going on there as well. Make sure that you follow me at Joe Hunk. There is legitimate talk. <sighs> There's legitimate talk that something may happen with Malzahn. Don't I don't believe that it will. But the conversation is now becoming reality, according to some beat writers and all of that. If you miss the game on Saturday, this defense looked ridiculous against the run. That's honestly been one of Auburn's biggest staples 
throughout their time in the SEC the last 20 years is being able to stop the run. Texas A&M racked up over 300 yards of rushing. And Texas A&M is an amazing football team, okay? They should not have won the game on Saturday. Auburn should have won that. But Texas A&M did. They did what they were needing to do. They won the game, okay? A win is a win is a win, okay? And I don't really care who says that. Somebody asked me about that today. Uh, Alan Bell or Alan Bell of 24-7 asked me about that today. He's like, how was your Sunday? I said, man, Chiefs won. It wasn't pretty, but a win is a win is a win. If they play like that in the Super Bowl and still win, there's a ring that's still coming our way. So it doesn't matter. But Texas A&M had a tremendous game plan. Jimbo Fisher had a great game plan going into that because he knew that he had the ability to run the football on Auburn and he did it. The first two plays, two first two offensive plays for Auburn or for Texas A&M against Auburn, halfback sweeps out to the right, nobody over there, 10 and 12 yard gains. It was like that the entire day. Then they start busting it up the middle and then busting it up the middle. They were getting six and seven and eight yards every single time. If Jimbo Fisher didn't want to throw the football at all on Saturday, He wouldn't have had to. That was honestly the only reason Auburn even came back in that game is because Jimbo Fisher started letting Kellen Mond throw the football, and you almost saw the interception in the end zone that resulted in a Texas A&M going-ahead touchdown. That totally killed everything for Auburn because after they took that go-ahead or get the go-ahead lead and go up 21-20, to Auburn comes out, three and out, they then punt the football back to Texas A&M. Texas A&M scores another touchdown. They then get the football back. Another three and out. Texas A&M scores again, and the ball game is over. And it was just a field goal, but it was still enough for, to, for Auburn to be totally out of this football game. And this is another one of those scenarios where I go back to just a little while ago. I don't blame Bo Nix on a lot of things. He does need to grow up with and become a better passer in some avenues of his game. He also needs an offensive line, and they do not have one. And they do not have the ability to block for him. And he will run around for hours trying to make plays because he doesn't have any time in the pocket That is a major problem, and that is the reason why Auburn continues to lose. Do you know how many plays and how many passes Bo Nix completed where the football actually traveled 15 yards in the air? I'll give you a second. Hold on. Any any guess? Any guess? Any guess? Any guess? Any guess? Hold on, let me let, let's let, let's let's hear from Gus Malzahn real fast, so I can give you another a few seconds to think about how many passes did Bo Nix ha- make here 
in this game. Let's 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 go with Coach. This. You mentioned uh, being focused on this week, obviously, but I was wondering if you had a thought on uh, the potential of a bowl game for this team this year. No, yeah, honestly, it's just been focused on the ten regular seasons and taking it week week to week, and you know, trying to to get to where we could play. You know, as far as the COVID goes and everything, so I've just been really focused on that. Uh, this is the tenth one, um, you know, and so we're playing on the road in the SEC uh, against a team that uh, you know I think is is fairly dangerous. So our focus is all on that, and we'll cross that bridge, you know, after the game. So he he says that. The answer is one. Bo Nix completed one pass that where the football actually traveled 15 yards in the air. He only had three completions of 15 yards or more when he passed the football. Two of those were behind the line of scrimmage. You cannot win. In the SEC, when it comes to that being your play calling, the RPO is a play that is designed for rushing the football in short passes. You make the decision majority of the time before you even snap the football based on the way the defense sets up. Other reads are going to be coming based off what a cornerback is going to be doing if he breaks up on the snap or breaks back on the snap or just stays still. One of the Any of those three. That's what it's about. And to see him and to see the way that this football team is playing, they have regressed. And I know it's a 10-game SEC schedule. They're most likely going to end the season 6-4. and four. Yes, depending on who you want to ask, they should have lost Arkansas, which that one I agree with. They should have lost Ole Miss. That one I don't agree with as much. And those are, those are two more losses. So really it should be flipped right now. And this program should be – Three and six going into the game against Mississippi State coming up this weekend. Then you get to this, and this is what Malzahn said just a little while ago about expectations and the conversation that SEC and Auburn fans are all going to be having over the course of this week because no matter if you're listening to a podcast that's based in the state of Alabama like this one is or based throughout the SEC total, totally, this is what you hear. And this well, what when, we, when we're not in the mix to win championships, um, that, that's part of, that's part of uh, you know, being the coach here. They expect to win championships, just like I said. And this year was an extremely tough year for a lot of different circumstances. Uh, you know, we, we are one of the, the least experienced teams. We had a couple of injuries, and I think that, uh, you know, had some of the issues. But like I said, next year, I mean, I think it's really set up. I'm very excited about that. And really, the, for the first time, it's towards the end of the year, and you really let my mind kind of go there as far as the future and all that. And uh, I think we're going to be right in the mix uh, next year and, and end up being one of the most experienced teams uh, coming back, and then when we've done that, if you really look at it, that's that's the years that we've had the special years when we've been, uh, you know, one of the more experienced teams, and uh, and we'll we'll have that next year.
Okay. I've said this numerous times. I've said it here on We The Fans. I have also said it on 97.7 ESPN The Zone. I think any coach that gets fired in 2020 is a travesty because – for those of you that don't know, the university only plays, pays about that much of a coach's salary, and majority of it is paid by boosters. And that means that you are going to your boosters and you're saying, hey, I need your help to pay this to a coach to let him go. I'm also going to need your help paying this much for the next coach. And if you're in Auburn's situation, they're trying to build a football-only facility. So I also need your help to build to help us build this football-only facility that a lot of teams in the SEC already have. So now you are going to whatever booster, and we all know the big booster for, for Auburn is the one that sells wood. And uh, if you don't know, just shoot me a direct message. I'll let you know who that is. Uh, is the one that sells wood. Now, if you've went to a Lowe's or Home Depot or to uh, uh, any place that sells wood, um, Ace is the place for your friendly hardware folks, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know how much lumber is in 2020. Um, so just think about how much money that wood is making right now. Um, some businesses, wood always makes a lot of money, just different type of wood. Now, you asking your donors to spend this much money in a pandemic, which probably in the next three months is going to be over with. But with this pandemic, you're asking them to pay this much and then turn around and pay for another coach. In Auburn circumstances, they can't get the higher wrong. But you have a fan base that is very complacent is a bad word. Let's say they've zoned out. That's a good way of putting it. They have zoned out on everything that happens with the Auburn football program. They are, and Gus Malzahn is probably one of the top two reasons that Auburn fans are becoming basketball fans and not Auburn football fans. Number one reason, Bruce Pearl, who is one of the best coaches in college basketball and literally has taken a university that was the worst college basketball university in the country and has gotten them to the final four. And you've also taken an Auburn football program that in the last decade has won a national championship, played for another national championship, has been to multiple SEC championships, winning one. And, well, they've won two if you count 2010 as well. They've won those. And if they beat Georgia in 2017, the SEC championship, they're going to the Rose Bowl again to play Oklahoma for the chance to play in the national championship against Alabama, which think about how that would have went. Oh my God, the whole state of Alabama would have blown up. All of that to say Auburn fans have now become complacent for 
Auburn football. They don't complain. They don't get upset. They don't get mad. You can only hit a barking dog so much before it stops barking. Before it knows me barking is not going to get my owner to look up. Me barking is not going to get him to do what I want him to do. Do I need water? Do I need food? Do I need a new head coach? None of that will come. And Auburn fans have now just decided, like, whatever. And a complacent Auburn fan is now what you do not want because that's what Tennessee has become. They become complacent. Your Mississippi States and your Ole Misses, they have great seasons every once in a while, and they never expect to be great. So when they're actually good, it's amazing. Kentucky football is another, for instance. They are never great. So when they are good, their fans are extremely excited about it. Auburn fans have, had, have seen seasons where they have not only been great, they have been the best. And now you have a fan base that just sits back and they watch what's going on and they're over it. That is your biggest problem. We just heard, or I just heard a little while ago that apparently nobody is on board and there's no unity in the locker room, in the coaching staff, in the athletic department, and in the fan base. That is a major problem because you want all of your people, your coaches, your players, your fans, your athletic department, all going in the same direction. Guess what? That's why PJ Flex says row the boat. That is the meaning behind PJ Flex saying row the boat. Because if you've ever been in a canoe, and trust me, with as much as I have to watch Moana right now, if I know about canoes. It only works when all the paddles are going in the same direction, at the same speed, at the same time. I'm just doing my little row. Just doing my little row. Auburn's not that. And I'm not saying P.J. Flex is, is the answer because Minnesota sucks right now. But the fact that multiple beat writers are starting to compile a list of the candidates that could most likely come to Auburn and be successful, that is a major problem. Tennessee, we're not even seeing that much because Tennessee has an amazing recruiting class. But with Auburn, and this is where the problems are always going to come, let's look at the recruiting class in the SEC. As you can imagine, Alabama is number one. They're also number one in the country. LSU, the team that they just smoked 48 hours ago, number two, Georgia, Number three, Florida. Number four. Number five would be the Tennessee Volunteers. By the way, I'm rocking my Tennessee Vol shirt. Number six, Texas A&M. Number seven, Arkansas. That's right. Arkansas has a better recruiting class than Auburn. <gasps> Missouri has a better recruiting class than Auburn. What is that, eight? Eight? 
Mississippi State at nine has a better recruiting class than the Auburn Tigers. And then there it is. At number 42 in the country, where they were number 40 just a couple of days ago, is the Auburn Tigers. Yes, they have some JUCO transfers, or I should say, they have some transfers coming in, one of which is arguably the best tight end in the country. That is still a major problem. So, so listen to this one more time. And tell me, let's listen to it with, with different ears, just different ears. And listen to this as if it was your head coach of your team that just got smoked by their two biggest rivals, Georgia and Alabama, and just got beat by Texas A&M. So they're not even like the third or fourth best team in the SEC right now. Let's let's listen to it again. Well, when we when we're not in the mix to win championships, um, that that's part of the, that's. Part did you, Gus? Did you stop this, Gustavos? Gustavos, why did you stop it? No. I don't want to hear this, Gus. I need to hear your statements on it being a tough well, year. When, we, when we're not in the mix to win championships, um, that that's part of that's part of uh, you know being the coach here. They expect to win championships, yes. just like I said. Yeah. And this year was an extremely tough year for a lot of different circumstances. Uh, you know, we we are one of the the least experienced teams. We had a couple of injuries, and I think that uh, you know had some of the issues. But like I said, next year. I mean, I think it's really set up. I'm very excited about that. And really, for the first time, it's towards the end of the year. And you really let my mind kind of go there as far as the future and all that. And uh, I think we're going to be right in the mix uh, next year and and end up being one of the most experienced teams uh, coming back. And then when we've done that, if you really look at it, that's that's the years that we've had the special years when we've been, uh, you know, one of the more experienced teams. And uh, and we'll, we'll have that next year. By the way, there's two little veins right here on my head. And I know that you probably can't see them, but they're right there. They are so tense right now. They just are. So let's hear this. Next year is going to be the year. They've had some injuries. Be it Auburn really didn't even have any players that, that opted out this football season. But that's what they have. And then they're going to be one of the most experienced teams next year. And those are the years that Auburn is best. So is it just because Alabama and Georgia now come to Jordan-Hare next year? Is that the reason why I think they're going to be better? Instead of you having to go on the road where you have won that many games against your rivals. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, you are oh for your career. I'm not saying it's happening. But when you have teams like Missouri that are beating you in recruiting, again, nothing against Missouri, folks. When you have Missouri beating you in recruiting. By the way, National Signing Day is like a week from tomorrow. Just letting you know. Just letting you know. So not only do you have maybe two weeks from tomorrow, but not only is Missouri beating you, Mississippi State is beating you. 
Arkansas is beating you in recruiting, and you are trying to sell us that you're going to be better next year because you suck this year, and losing has allowed your mind to go to next season when it normally is unable to do that. Think about that. Just think about that. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. As we wrap up, that's all I'm asking. Think about the words that you just heard Gustavo say. By the way, for those of you that do not know, his his full name is Gustavo Malzahn. Just letting you know. Now, it is also, we will end today with an amazing and just hilarious bit of audio that I know that you're going to hear a lot about throughout the week. It is Nick Saban talking about the upcoming game with Arkansas and their quarterback. Well, he's a very talented guy. He's a very good passer. Uh, I think he has a good understanding of what they're doing on offense. He gets the ball to the right guys. Uh, They've had some pretty good playmakers. Um, You know, 16 is really a good player for them. Uh, They've been able to have balance and on the offense with, you know, and they present a lot of challenges with the formations and adjustments. And uh, he does a good job of orchestrating all that. and he's athletic enough to beat you with his feet. Uh, if you get him covered sometimes on third down, he runs for a first down. He scrambles, extends plays. Uh, he's a very good player. Uh, yeah, he's talking about Felipe Franks, who did not play this pay- past weekend. Uh, that was K.J. Jefferson that had the amazing game against Mizzou. Uh, Alabama plays Arkansas this week. So get ready for that matchup, as that is going to be an 11 a.m. kick. couple of things. Uh, as we wrap up, also to, got a couple of questions about the non-touchdown against Alabama that LSU scored. Officially, John Tree Kirkland got the touchdown because, yes, it was a fumble. The ball was dropped right before the running back crossed over the end zone. Kirkland is the one that ran over, grabbed the ball, scored the touchdown. So that's an that's an update on that. That many people are asking, wait a second, well, why wasn't that, you know, touchback, all that? The football didn't go out of bounds. And the referees let the play go through. Kirkland ran over and touched the football. He's the one that picked it up. That's the reason why it was it was a touchdown for LSU. There's that one. Chris. He said, how about Coastal Carolina beating BYU? He said those Mormons. Well, um, that was an amazing game. I wish I'd have been able to see it. I was on the road as that one was taking place. But that, to me, is the perfect example as to why we don't need to schedule these football games 10 and 15 years out. Like, seriously, schedule these games during the offseason because I know this game was scheduled like a, a week ago. Maybe it was like Wednesday or Thursday when the game was actually scheduled. But it turned into an amazing football game, a fantastic game for college football. And now that BYU has lost, they are not in the New Year's Six discussion anymore because people forget that with BYU, they're not considered a group of five. They're also not considered a power five. So just like in their, in their faith, they are kind of in that purgatory where they can't go to heaven or hell until 
they have done whatever they need to do. It's part of the Mormon religion. And so it, the only way they were going to make it into the New Year Six, if they were an at-large bid, they were not going to take the group of five bid. Now that Coastal Carolina has won, it's kind of down to Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. Who's going to take that power or that New Year's Six bid to be in the college or not the college football playoff, but the New Year's Six games. So it was a really fun game. I'm glad to see a team like Coastal Carolina being successful. But this also shows that these athletic directors need to just get together with each other during the offseason and schedule games, not schedule X, Y, and Z for 15 years in the future because it really makes it horrible. It really absolutely does. I appreciate you for watching, for listening today. If you missed some of the show, make sure that you go back. Give us a follow on iTunes. I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts. I, I call it wrong. I apologize. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. The very moment that our shows go up on Apple Podcasts, you can listen to it and watch it there or listen to it there. Make sure that you follow KCPN because the moment that we go live across all of our platforms, you will get that notification and you can hop in just like you did today as we were hanging out here on this Monday, recapping kind of what all happened in the SEC and everything kind of moving forward. Make sure that you follow me at Joe Hunk. And if you just want to talk some more college football, man, send me a message. Send me a DM. Slide into those DMs. We will talk to you next Monday right here on KCPN for We The Fans. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We all know that the only way to top the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew is with velvety new sweet cold foam from Dunkin'. But how do you top that? With an exclusive offer for DD Perks members. Get a medium chocolate stout cold brew with sweet cold foam, cold brew with sweet cold foam, or cold brew for $3. It's the perfect deal to top off the perfect top to the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew. Doesn't that sound great? Not a DD Perks member? Join today via the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.